birthday is upon us again. How about we throw a little party, start a bunch of fires, watch some bad movies? Problem is, I've seen it all before. Bad movies are for amateurs. Get out, Black Cope's daughter. Oculus, now that's horror. I want to find a movie that's so goddamn bad that the viewers will notice us again. That's what I'm saying. I want all you boys to look me straight in the eye one more time and say, are we having fun or what? Maybe we ought to just videotape this and play it back in slow motion on the bloodstream. Welcome aboard, streamers. This is the 26th episode of The Bloodstream, and I am your host, Jason Gray. As I alluded to in the intro, if all goes well, this episode is dropping on Monday, January 29th. That is my birthday. I was gonna try to pull things back and get the shows dropping regularly on Fridays again like I had been doing for a good while there, but when I realized my birthday was just a few days later, and since I've released the last few episodes on Mondays, that timing was just too good to pass up. The downside of that is, since it's my birthday, it's the 26th episode, and we've made it through half a year, I kinda wanted to do something special. But I also just did something special for episode 25. So I sat down and tried to come up with something that would singularly scream me. And I promptly came up with nothing great. The best ideas I had for a while were, what's a horror movie with one of my favorite redheads in it? I did come up with a few good choices there, and... Don't worry, they're still on the list and I'll get to them eventually, but they weren't quite birthday material. This got me to just start throwing random words into Amazon Prime that had personal meaning to me. I already used blood last week, so that was out. Didn't want to go immediately back to that well. So I decided to throw in shadows, because of reasons. I got a bunch of interesting possibilities, some of them went on the list, but about 8 pages deep up pops a movie called A Bird and the Shadow. Well, hey, that ticks off two Jason boxes. A boy and his bird. Awful touching. Still, it didn't really sound horror-y from the title, but let me read what the plot is. A Bird in the Shadow is a Twilight Zone-inspired short film that follows actor Eric Wu during the final days on the set of his new movie. Eric's father was a legendary actor who died under mysterious circumstances when Eric was young. Since then, Eric has had premonitions of his own death, as he continues his father's legacy. Can Eric escape death and finish the new film? Oh, oh my god. Oh, holy shit. That, that's... Okay, okay, my number one film, my favorite movie of all time, is The Crow. And that, that I just read, that's the fictionalized story of Brandon Lee's death done as a short film. The character is even named Eric. The movie comes in at only 33 minutes long, which is the shortest thing I've ever watched for the bloodstream, and actually shorter than several episodes of the show. But I had to take a look at this, because it's either going to be brilliant, or it's going to royally piss me off. 
So let me just play the trailer, which is motion music, but I'm gonna fire it up anyways. So first of all, the movie is shot in grainy black and white, and I will give points for that right off the bat because I actually kind of love that design decision. It works for the style and the story, and really gives it this great noirish feel. It's a quick, easy, simple way to give production values to this otherwise low-budget affair. But oh my god, oh my god, it starts right off with the dude looking like a bargain crow knockoff, right down to the makeup. The opening scene of A Bird in the Shadow is a very twisted version of a scene straight from The Crow. And I'm gonna use it as the first clip, so decide for yourselves. Are you scared? I'm not here to play your stupid game! <laughs> Stop! Did you hear about the man who dropped out of the sword eating contest? He had a bad gut feeling. And cut! Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for today. Now, to be fair, that is just the movie within the movie. And I do appreciate that the movie's not messing around, and establishes right away that yeah, yeah, we know, we know. And with the level of detail they put into this, they are clearly fans of the movie. Possibly even more than I am. After calling it a day on set, Eric heads off and pays a visit to his father's grave, and has a flashback to being trained by him as a kid. Eric gets shooken out of his flashback when he hears a twig snap off in the distance, and we catch a glimpse of another grave with his name on it, and oh my god, oh my god, we see a grave with the comedy and tragedy masks on it, which is a bit of iconography that was used in the original Crow movie. Eric is suddenly grabbed, punched in the face, and he wakes up because it was all a dream. Except his girlfriend notices something wrong with his eye, so maybe not? I don't know? Uh, this is already boring the shit out of me. It's a nice bit of character work though, so I don't knock it too much. But, but we're off to go take care of some other stuff. Like a call from Eric's mom, who is named Sarah, who also works as his agent, and they negotiate with the director for his next movie. He heads off to get makeup ready for the next scene. The makeup guy points out, hey, you need more shadow, so I guess... <clears throat> Sorry, I, I had to put in at least one of those. But while Eric gets ready, he dozes off in the chair, and he has another nightmare. This time, it's one of his own funeral, and he's laying in the coffin, unable to move. While he lays there trapped, he sees this dark, ominous figure that kinda looks like a samurai-inspired figure standing there behind his family, watching. He wakes up, freaked out, scares a couple people, but he's a professional, so he moves on to film the next scene, and it's a nice bit of poetry, so I'm gonna drop in a clip here. Death has set its mark and seal on all we are and all we feel. All we know and all we fear, death's yet to catch me. So 
and we come out of that with a shot lifted directly from the crow. And this movie does this a lot, so I'm not going to point them all out, and they're actually kind of fun to notice if you're a fan of the movie. Eric and his girlfriend pull up to their house, and she thinks she sees someone inside, so Eric heads in to investigate. He wanders around the house. He starts seeing strange, paranoid visions. This all seems to be building somewhere to a confrontation, but it's just a common thief who broke into the house to try to rob the place. Eric quickly punches the guy in the face and calls the cops. We get another nightmare. We see his name on the comedy and tragedy grave. He wakes up. They do a few more homages from the movie. And following the nightmare, Eric decides to rush hurriedly to his father's grave and finds the samurai goat there waiting for him. He gives a great defiant, you've taken enough for me, and throws a rock that hilariously bounces off the guy. Eric puts up a decent fight, they slip in a few more nods to the movie, and there's a few on Sprite they didn't do, but I digress. But despite putting up a strong effort, the samurai ghost is larger, stronger, and more supernatural, and pounds Eric against the ground for a little bit. The creature grabs a necklace that someone carelessly left hanging on a nearby grave, and he starts to use that to choke the life out of Eric. His life starts to flash before his eyes, and we get some handy advice from his father during this. Empty your mind. Eric, don't forget who you are. Your strength is formless. Molding you into many obstacles. Molding you into a man. To understand is to really see. And although you can't see me, I am always with you. I am so proud of you. Now concentrate and start to flow. Man, they even borrowed some bits from one of my favorite Bruce Lee speeches. Eric uses this inspirational moment to find enough strength to break free, and even manages to pin the giant to a nearby tree with his own sword. He outright asks the creature why he's doing this, and we get a decent speech in the next clip. Why did you take him from me? You just take without warning? Why won't you answer me? Answer me! I am not death. Ming Yun does not mean death. Ming Yun means fate. Fate? Fate? The fate of all life on Earth is death. You cannot run from fate. You are destined to die young as your father was before you. So we get some talk about how this is all Eric's destiny, how it's his fate to die young like his father, and naturally Eric denies such notions. That's not for you to determine, except if this guy is an agent of destiny, then it kind of is. Eric has had enough of this, slashes the guy's throat, and runs off to take a shower and pretend like none of this happened. But since we're dealing with supernatural stuff here, after he gets out of the shower, he sees the creature in the mirror behind him, knowing this thing is still coming after him. Feeling a need to spit in the face of destiny, Eric reproposes to his girlfriend and suggests they get married next week. I hope next week isn't Halloween, because who the fuck gets married on Halloween? So it's back to set to the last day of filming, and because Eric's stunt guy got in a nasty car wreck, they changed the final scene from a big stunt girl fight to a very personal one-on-one -on -one bit with Eric and the movie's not top dollar, and it's just going to be a really simple scene with Eric being threatened with a gun. Hmm, 
what could possibly happen here? But it's okay, the director has things well in hand and gives a little speech on gun safety that they're going to follow, and that's going to be the final clip. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my job to make everyone aware that we'll be working with two separate firearms today. Now these are two types of stunt revolvers and they will not be loaded. Although they will not be loaded, accidents can happen. Which is why there will be a prop master on set at all times to make sure that everything and everyone is safe. The firearms will be kept in a supervised area in the back. If I catch anyone playing with them, people will be fired without pay. Let's get started. Yeah, let's see how well that's gonna go. The prop master takes the two boxes to the back room to keep an eye on them like he's supposed to. And time awkwardly freezes so the samurai ghost can come in. And I'm not sure if he either swaps the guns or puts the magic bullet on the necklace in one of them. It's not really clear which way they go there, but it ultimately doesn't matter. The long and short of it is the samurai ghost comes along, does whatever needs to be done for the murder weapon to get where it needs to go. The big scene comes up, Nut Dollar has his big face off with Eric, and the gun doesn't go off, repeatedly. The director wants him to keep trying in hopes that it will finally go off, because he wants that big flash. And on the final attempt, Eric now sees it's the samurai ghost holding the weapon. And this time, the gun actually goes off, and Eric gets shot. For realsies. They got the shot, the director's all happy, but then everyone realizes something's wrong because Eric's not getting off the ground. They all start calling for help, calling the police and paramedics or whatever. And the plot synopsis way back there asked the question, can Eric escape death and finish the new film? And if you're familiar with the case of Brandon Lee's death on the set of The Crow, then you should not be at all surprised that the answer to this question is a giant NOPE. The movie ends with Eric walking up some stairs, finding his dad waiting up there on a motorcycle, and the two are reunited in the afterlife. Well, I don't hate this movie as much as I felt I would. I don't feel insulted by it like I feared I might. In fact, it was mostly well made, and for what it was, fairly enjoyable. I feel like its biggest flaw is that it just doesn't really have anything to say. There's no real twist or turn to this story, so if you're saying you're inspired by the Twilight Zone, that's setting up expectations you're not delivering on. Guy is making a movie. Guy has bad feelings things are gonna go wrong. Things go wrong. They threw in a bit of a supernatural force to try to liven things up, but he doesn't really do anything. The story is basically saying, this guy's gonna die, and then he dies. Okay, and? The atmosphere is pretty nice though. The acting's not bad. Paul London as Eric is really good, and he really captures that melancholy feeling of knowing something bad is going to happen. The fight choreography makes me wince at times, but this isn't an action movie, that's not what's going on, you're not here for the fights. First and foremost, this is a character piece. And on that level it largely works as it explores this guy's life on the final days of his existence. If anything, I would have liked the movie to have been a little bit longer so we could have seen more of his life and gotten to know him more and cared about him more before the end. It also would have given us more time to see him struggling against his destiny, trying to change what he knows is coming, and maybe give us some sort of Twilight zone ending. I could see something like setting up that Eric knows he's going to die, knows it's going to be by a gun, probably on set, give him clear concrete knowledge of what's going to come. That gives him something to fight against. And then you have him do something like go into the back room and swap the guns or something, thinking he's saving his life by putting a prop gun where a real gun would be or something like that. 
but all that does is actually drive forward to Destiny and have the real gun put in place or a real bullet put in place and would send the message of if you know you're going to die you can't fight Destiny and all he does is ensure what he fears is going to happen will happen. But I can kind of see also not wanting to go that route because then it implies that Eric and by extension Brandon Lee is responsible for his own death and you start to get into a questionable area there. At 30 minutes, it's not bad. Any Crow fans should get a kick out of all the homages they throw in. The creators behind this are clearly fans of the original, and they know their stuff. They obviously didn't get the facts of the case straight, but that's not the point. This is not a dramatization of Brandon's death, and clearly just inspired by it. This is an interesting take on this sort of story. And while it ultimately doesn't go anywhere interesting for me, it's still a well-made little short. And yeah, I poke fun at all the little nods they give to the original Crow. But I can't nitpick the actual story they're telling, aside from kind of feeling empty at the end of it. And I'll just wrap up my final thoughts by saying, My daddy used to say every man's got a devil, and you can't rest until you find him. What happened back there with you and alien blood? I cleared that movie. Hell, nothing on this show happens without my say-so. So I'm sorry if I spoiled your birthday plans there, friend. But if it's any consolation to you, this movie did put a smile on my face. And that's gonna wrap up episode 26 of the Bloodstream. If you've enjoyed listening to this, you can find more episodes on iTunes, just search for the Bloodstream. While you're there, please subscribe, like, and review the show, that's a big help and much appreciated. The Bloodstream can also be found on Facebook, so come on over, join the group, keep up to date with what's going on. We've also got a page on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. If you've got any questions or suggestions for the show, you can send me a message at any of those places, or you can always just send me an email directly at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com. That's phoenix with an F. Music used in this episode is from The Crow Score by Graham Ravel, and Burn by The Cure. We've made it through half a year. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep streaming.
Quick impression for you. Go, go, bang, fuck, I'm dead.